Sometimes when we think we know enough is when we discover that we are the man or woman who knew too little. Welcome to On My Walk, the reading podcast that helps you capture reading's aha moments and apply them to your life and leadership. I'm wrapping up my long engagement with Barbara Tuckman's 1984 masterpiece, The March of Folly. Now, Tuckman's thesis is that nations repeatedly pursue policies that are against their best interests, essentially that they take in the proverbial Trojan horse to their detriment. Tuckman demonstrates this by tracing how a succession of popes provoked the Protestant Reformation, how the British lost America, and how America betrayed herself in Vietnam. And in each case, the flag of folly waved ingloriously. Tuckman's account of Vietnam is, like the rest of her book, so well detailed and documented. One of the many things that Tuckman does well is share responsibility for the Vietnam War. I mean, she demonstrates that the Vietnam War can be traced back as far as Truman, and most of us don't really think about that, how it was passed on to Eisenhower, which in turn landed in Kennedy's lap before rising to outrageous engagement under Johnson and ultimately ending under Nixon. Now, Tuckman delivers some great lines in this book, lines that sum up the attitudes of the people of the historical periods she described. Let me give you a few from her analysis of the Vietnam War. On Kennedy's inability to understand the times, she writes, here was a classic case of seeing the truth and acting without reference to it. Or on Johnson's need for power, she writes, Johnson felt he had to be strong. He did not feel a comparable impulse to be wise. Ouch. <laughs> and about the domino theory of the day, which said, you know, if Vietnam fell to communism, then of course other nations in Southeast Asia would topple like dominoes. About that, she writes, Minds at the top were locked in the vice of 1954, that Ho was an agent of world communism. And I love that line, minds at the top were locked in the vice of 1954. Well, Tuckman delivers another succinct piece of historical wisdom that was an aha moment for me and a great lesson for anyone in a place of leadership. Johnson had just won the presidency by the largest popular majority in American history. He has, in her words, unsaleable majorities in both houses of Congress. But he also had the nagging challenge of Southeast Asia, the growing threat of communism, and it presented a real challenge for this president who wanted to go down in history um, as the orchestrator of the Great Society, someone on par with FDR. Listen to Tuckman describe Johnson's dilemma. She'll end with a line that I think is gold for any leader. His heart was in the welfare programs and civil rights legislation that were to create the Great Society, free of poverty and oppression. He wanted to go down in history as the great benefactor, greater than FDR, equal to Lincoln. Failure to seize his chance at this moment to extract his administration from an unpromising foreign entanglement was the irreparable folly, though not his alone. His chief advisers in government believed with him that they would take greater punishment from the right by withdrawing 
then from the left by pursuing the fight. Confident in his own power, Johnson believed he could achieve both his aims, domestic and foreign, at once. Reports from Saigon told of progressive crumbling, riots, corruption, anti-American sentiment, neutralist movement by the Buddhists. I feel, declared one American official in Saigon, as though I were on the deck of the Titanic. These signals did not suggest to Washington a useless effort and a time to cut losses, but rather a need for greater effort to redress the balance and gain the advantage. Officials, civilian and military, agreed on the necessity of intervention in the form of air war to convince the North to give up its attempted conquest. That the United States could accomplish its aim by superior might, no one doubted. Like Kennedy, Johnson believed that to lose South Vietnam would be to lose the White House. It would mean a destructive debate, he was later to say, that would shatter my presidency, kill my administration, and damage our democracy. The loss of China, which had led to the rise of Joe McCarthy, was chicken shit compared with what might happen if we lost Vietnam. Robert Kennedy would be out in front telling everyone that I was a coward, an unmanly man, a man without a spine. Worse, as soon as United States' weakness was perceived by Moscow and Peking, they would move to expand their control over the vacuum of power we would leave behind us, and so would begin World War III. He was as sure of this as nearly as anyone can be certain of anything. No one is so sure of his premises as the man who knows too little. No one is so sure of his premises as the man who knows too little. And I would add to that, thinks he knows enough. Now this is the classic move in the March of Folly. Refusing to listen, refusing to learn, assuming one knows all, or at least that one knows enough. As I'm thinking about what Tuckman's writing, the writer of Proverbs comes to mind. The writer of Proverbs says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs says, The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Proverbs 15.31 Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. Proverbs 15.32 now, there's so many parallels to Lyndon Johnson, so many parallels to anyone in leadership who fails to listen and learn. Now, in another place, Tuckman adds this about Johnson, and, and this is tough for me to share because I am a big fan of Lyndon Johnson. I've read more about him than any other president. He is an enigma, fascinating character, but sometimes the truth about us hurts. Here's what Tuckman says. Johnson shared the problem, if not the flash of insight, of Pope Alexander VI in his one moment of remorse when he acknowledged that a ruler never hears the truth and, quote, ends by not wanting to hear it, close quote. Tuckman writes, Johnson wanted his policies to be ratified, not questioned, and as the issues hardened, he avoided listening to his advisor's reports. You know, sometimes the aha moment is not so much an oh, wow, but oh, that is so true. And such is the case with her observation today. No one is so sure of his premises as the man who knows too little. 
and I would add, who thinks he knows enough. So I'm asking myself, where do I need to dig a little deeper? Where do I need to open up my ears to a little more criticism? Pursue another opinion. How about you? Foolish leaders think they know it all, or at least they know enough. Wise leaders, they listen and they learn. And that's my thought on my walk with Barbara Tuckman and her historical masterpiece, The March of Folly. Now the question is, what will you do with that thought on your walk through life today? <music>